New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. Our guest today is Tori D'Amico. She is the editorial coordinator at YPulse, where she turns data into daily article insights on young consumers in North America. This month, YPulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report on news consumption and trust. Tori is here to break down what it all means. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Before we dive into our conversation, can you give listeners a bit of context about YPulse, who you're serving, how many people, how old they are, where they are, how often you're talking to them, and then what it means generally in terms of margin of error and how significant differences are? Sure thing. So at YPulse, we survey 13 to 39-year-olds, Gen Z and millennials, in both North America and Western Europe. We talk to them multiple times a month, both on year-over-year behaviors, trending topics, and brand affinity. In North America specifically, we speak to 1,500 Gen Z and millennials, which is quite a sizable sample. It's split between the U.S. and Canada and balanced to be nationally representative, meaning that we have proportional bases for race, age, gender, And with the broad size of our sample, we're able to hone in on smaller audiences. So people of color, millennial parents, LGBTQ, and more. Fantastic. So first off, if we're thinking macro, macro trends, are young consumers more or less interested in news than they were last year? They are on the up and up on their interest in news. We observed through our news and consumption reports that we've done for the past several years that confidence and consumption of news went down during the pandemic. In 2019, 75% of Gen Z and millennials were somewhat to always reading the news. It dipped down to 57% in 2022, but this Mm. year we're back up to 67%, somewhat or always consuming the news. So it isn't back up to the pre-pandemic levels, but it certainly is trending in the right direction. Given that you do have such a large sample size, if we slice and dice a bit and look at Gen Z versus millennials, what are you seeing? Millennials are definitely more likely to be reading the news by a pretty significant margin. So of that overall 67%, we've got 54% of Gen Z and 73% of millennials. Wow. So millennials definitely more. Would you say that the delta from where they were to where they are, is it changing more rapidly for Gen Z or millennials? You know, that's a good question. So back in 2019, millennials were at 82% following the news. So again, not up to that number this year, but back in 2019, 50% of Gen Z were following the news, which means actually more are following it now. In 2021, Gen Z were down to 40%, millennials at 71. In 2022, Gen Z were down at 41%, millennials all the way down to 63. So what we're seeing is that millennials are climbing steadily back up. Gen Z has actually taken a big boost in their interest in the news. That's interesting. News is actually trending up with younger people. So young consumers consuming more news. One of the things that was interesting as a bit of conundrum for me is that 
84% of them say that they trust the news that they consume, but 80% of those same consumers say that fake news is one of the biggest problems in society today. So is this a case of it's not a me problem, it's an everyone else problem? Can you just parse that? Absolutely. The reality is that most young consumers did agree that they themselves have been duped by a fake news story. Mm. And they are consuming a lot of their news on social media, which they name as the least reliable source for accurate information. And yet, because it's the most accessible, that's where they're going. But in turn, they feel like it's social media corporations' responsibility to remove misleading and infactual information to help them avoid that problem of fake news. They really, they want nonpartisan news that doesn't always agree exactly with what they already think. And yet they know that a lot of sources are playing to a bias, are working an angle, and they want that impartial news. So even though they trust the sources they're using, they realize that a lot of news sources are more or less swaying them. It does tie back to where consumers are getting their news. And for a few years, it's been at social media, social media, social media. That's where they get their news. But that's the the platform. People want them to be responsible. It's a little tricky with Section 230, but there are a lot of sources on that platform. And did you drill in to ask them who on the platform they're looking at? Are they looking at the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post social media feeds, or are they looking at crazy Uncle Frank with the tinfoil hat? Obviously, different sources there. Did you look at who they're getting news from on those platforms? On social media, we ask specifically which platforms they're using when they're using social platforms. So not particularly the accounts, though we do ask how much they trust different publications, including the New York Times, including the Journal, MSNBC. But when it comes to social media, Gen Z are looking most to YouTube and to TikTok for their news. So whether that means official accounts or independent commentators, those are the two platforms they're heading toward because the reality is the majority of young consumers now are getting their news through video feeds rather than text. Okay. So that that's interesting. If you are MSNBC, The Journal, New York Times, you want to be on YouTube and you want to be on TikTok and you want to be creating video content if you want to have the consumer of tomorrow. That's what I'm hearing. 100%. If news organizations want to connect with Gen Z, they need to be making video content. It's digestible, it's accessible, it's quick, and most importantly, it's free. If we look at social platforms, I often say that each platform has a purpose for its users. So yeah, they happen to be on TikTok and YouTube because they like to be entertained. They like to laugh. They That's what they want. Are they going to just skip by the news? Do they have a platform that if I want to find news, I'm going to go to this platform? What's actually most interesting is when we ask young consumers, when you hear about a major news story, what's the first source you go to for more information? Their number one choice is Google over social media, no matter what social media platform that is. And, you know, so they're Googling they So they've heard about something and then they go to Google to find out more. And so yes. from there, if I'm a news site, I think I better have my CEO game up because I Definitely. want my article to be the one that pops. 
That's right. fascinating. And, um, of course, young people are getting news naturally coming to their feed, but they do like to make sure that the information they're getting is accurate. So they're likely to look something up or even ask friends and family their thoughts on a topic. So that's still, you know, if you think about your friends and family and your like-mindedness there. So there's there's a piece there because in the report, it, it, you did pull out that people don't want to, they want to see opinions outside of their bubble. The algorithm is tailoring it and they know that they're being delivered things that they agree with and that they'd like a, a broader view. But, you know, Entre New, do you believe that's actually true? I do think that they really do want to see diverse news from diverse voices. Our data shows that 62% agree that the news stories they currently see on social media are extremely partisan. And Mm. so they know that they're being fed information by algorithms that match their current point of view, but they want to see news from all different voices. These are incredibly diverse generations. We're talking about incredibly educated generations And they're not so much interested in the tunnel vision that many news sources might narrow in on when finding their audience. They're interested in hearing a little bit from everywhere so they can make a fully formed opinion. That's interesting. Now, let's go back. You mentioned about paying and you mentioned that young consumers are not really interested in paying for new subscriptions, right? Unfortunately, no. (laughs) There is a cost for responsible reporting. So is that driven by by dollars and cents? I just don't have the money. And when I get older and, and more wealthy, I will subscribe because I value this. I do think there is a budgetary restriction, especially for the younger generation. We know from our data that this year, especially inflation is holding these generations back from making the purchases that they'd like to make. And while 90% of young consumers tell us they agree that news should be free, millennials are more likely to agree that they would pay to support investigative journalism, that they're paying for news sources. And that's just because they have more money at their disposal to make those decisions. Okay. Are they willing to pay anything? Is it it's free or it's nothing? Does this mean that they're okay with ads? I would say that ad support is something that Gen Z millennials are not opposed to. I think they know that the sources they get free information from have to pay their bills somehow. The reality is that Gen Z are just far less likely right now to be paying for news. That said, the fact that millennials are more likely to be paying for news insinuates that perhaps as Gen Z gets older, they would also be willing to put out some money for a source. And definitely sources having affordable options is going to be more enticing to the younger generations. Right. Interesting. You talk about fairness and truth and and what you're doing. That might be something that would appeal to this generation of folks who who is activated by certain issues. The report indicates that it's not only that they'd like to be free, but they feel that they can get a lot of what they want, the facts for free, and they're not interested in opinions, as you mentioned earlier. One of the things that is interesting from a news brand standpoint is that opinions are often the way the news outlets differentiate their offering. Can they do anything that is of value that would be unique? Is there anything that they they would pay for in the news arena that could be ownable? We don't ask them specifically which kinds of news or information they'd be more or less willing to pay for. But we do know from this data set that they really are interested in news that is factual, that is informative, that is 
like you said, fair, um, that is coming from a variety of voices. You know, they tell us they feel that there's too much opinion, there's too much gossip in the news that they're encountering. And these are generations that really want to be informed about the world. They're very activated. And I think as they get older, they're ready to kind of parse through the celebrity gossip that they can find on their own and get news sources to give them interesting, informative, thought-provoking information. Interesting. All sorts of local news organizations are really suffering in terms of paying for news collection. Is there something in local that is an opportunity? Is local my town, my city, my state, or is it my country? I'm more interested in what's happening in the United States than, you know, Kuala Lumpur. We do know for sure that they are more interested in news from their circle and their region of the world than global news, but often because global news is just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Uh, We explored in our trend report, the cause conundrum that these gens often feel like there are too many problems for them to fight all at once. And so what we also find in our causes, charity and activism research is that the causes, the social issues they care most about, that they're talking most about, that they're learning most about are really informed by what's going on day to day in their lives. We saw that when Roe v. Wade was overturned, they were far more likely to say that they cared about abortion as a social issue. And then as things happen with the climate, they're more or less likely to say that they're interested in climate change as an issue. So when it comes to news being local, they're really just looking to learn about the issues that impact them and their communities personally. So whether that be local to their race demographic, local in terms of LGBTQ youth in their area and the problems that they're facing, they want to know what's going on around them that they can take part in. Interesting. So if we think about media, how they like to see themselves reflected in media, they want to see themselves in the news. This is what they care about because this is who they are. Does that mean when you've done a slice of people of color or LGBTQ plus that you're seeing differentials in terms of consumption and willingness to pay? That's a great question. Let me take a look. I'm thinking audiences and trying to market to them are groups that are more under siege than others. And there might be an opportunity there. Our data does show that young people of color are more likely to be willing to pay for the news. So 86% agree that news should be free as compared to 92% of white non-Hispanic youth. And similarly, 61% of young people of color say that they would pay more to support investigative journalism versus 55% of white non-Hispanic youth. Wow. That's so that's a significant, that's, that's interesting. Definitely. Out of curiosity, do you have a difference in terms of where they're getting their news? I'm making you look at all the cross tabs. I love it. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Well, we know for sure that young people of color are more likely to trust cable news. But what's interesting is that all young people are more likely to trust cable news. In fact, while 77% of young people overall trust social media for accurate news, it's the last on their list of the options that we gave them. So what's the most trusted? This is truth. This is good. What is the most trusty, trusty thing I'm going to look at? For Gen Z, they're most likely to trust newspapers for accurate information, and millennials are most likely to trust magazines by just a one-point difference. It's almost like a wash, right? I mean, at that point. Right. They 
I think have more confidence in print, perhaps because it's been around longer, because it's got more of a strenuous process behind it, more fact checkers, whereas social media tends to be quick, punchy, able to be corrected quickly. Well, I wonder, though, this is where so if they trust newspapers print, that's where I was going with the accounts. Do they Mm -hmm. trust a print account in a social location more than they trust a cable account in a social location? Because if everybody's competing in the social space and that sounds like that's what they're doing, Mm -hmm. if the New York Times puts a video up in a social situation, are they is that going to be more shared, more looked at, more believed than an article somebody read, or is it just, I went to the effort and looked at a piece of paper and therefore it's that much more trusty? Well, we don't ask specifically per source if they're more likely to trust its text or its video, but we do ask about specific sources and accurate information. And we can see that something like the New York Times broadly, they are more likely to trust than a post on TikTok. So whether that means the New York Times print or the New York Times own social videos, In general, a source with a name is coming out on top of a general social platform. A lot of reporters who have built names at print locations, they've built a profile, have gone and started new digital ventures where it's lots of in-depth articles, lots of analysis, because they have the ability to reach out and get scoops early. They write very well, but is the brand, the established brand, just simply more powerful? Or does a reporter have more power? If I'm looking at a reporter's tweet or a reporter's social media feed, is that really what I'm going to trust? Because that reporter is a brand to me. That's a great question. So we actually ask as an open-ended, what is the one source that they turn to for the news most? And we find that they are most likely to say journalists over family and selves. Right. So some name CNN, some name Fox News, some name social media, news channels in general, but they are most likely to say journalists. And I think from that, we can glean that they trust these established professionals to do their job accurately more than they are just looking to the brand at whole. At least that's what their open-ended answers incline. What's interesting with an open-ended answer is that is absolutely them generating it. And that I, right. I like that because it's not, they're not picking from a list. It's it's up to them to come up with that answer. And I think that's pretty interesting. I was also interested earlier in the conversation, you talk about, you know, they, they want the facts, they don't want it skewed. They want it middle of the road. Now, recently at CNN, this is what they were going to do. They were going to go more centrist, middle of the road. That was the ostensible strategy, but it wasn't perceived that way by the marketplace. Do people, do they define what neutral is? We don't ask exactly how would they define a nonpartisan news source. We don't ask exactly outright, how would you define a neutral news source? What's interesting, because let's say... I am a Fox News aficionado and Fox just paid almost a billion dollars because it was lying. Does that have an impact or not? If if I am an aficionado of this channel, does it matter? Is there confirmation bias that as long as it's my channel, it's trustworthy? That's a great question. I, I can't say for sure. We do know that just over half of young consumers say that 
they wish the news they saw wasn't tailored only to their interests. We do know that they're interested in hearing people who disagree with them. But that said, I can't exactly say on their behalf whether a person having a large network behind them and still being biased makes them more inclined to believe that person is acting out of some sense of neutrality. Whenever we're asking people's opinions, I always want to step back and say, how are they defining that word? Sort of the way you guys define what is cool. You know, (laughs) what is cool? What is hot? They are not the same. They want it to be trustworthy. They want it to be neutral. Do they all feel that neutral is the same? It would be interesting to say list brands that you think are neutral list brands that you think are opinionated? I think those are wonderful questions. So to wrap things up, if I'm in the news business, what are two big takeaways that I should fold into my thinking as I go forward? I think the first major takeaway that news and information sources could get from this data is to be making video content and to be on social media. Even though They may perceive social media as less accurate right now. News sources do have the opportunity to connect with them so easily on the platforms that they're already spending so many hours on. And you really can't do anything better than meet young consumers where they are in order to increase awareness, increase trust, increased interest. So I would say news should definitely be taking advantage of video content and social media. Gen Z and millennials want to be treated as serious, as thoughtful, as educated. They want to see news that gets them somewhere, not just treats them as children who you know, can just talk about celebrities. They want to be involved and the news should take them seriously when presenting them with new information. I wonder what their behaviors are because it... The organizations have a lot of data and they go with the clicks. So Mm -hmm. if people are clicking on Harry and Megan, they're clicking on (laughs) or whatever the latest thing is, because news can be a real downer, right? I mean, it's can be very stressful and we're already so depressed as young people. (laughs) Yeah, we do know that young people can feel the pressure of the news. They feel inundated by information at times and sometimes they need to take a break. But I think if their news is focused, if it's honest, And if it really tells them why it's important to them and makes it so that their generations don't feel like problems are unsolvable, Mm -hmm. they're going to respect those news sources for giving them honesty and for treating them like the adults that they are becoming. I think that you made a very good point there, which is bringing it back to the audience. This is why you care. This is why people need to pay attention. Thank you so much for spending the time unpacking all this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Love to do it. We reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.